Support for AHLA comes from Clearwater, the leading provider of enterprise cyber risk management and HIPAA compliance software and services for healthcare organizations, including health systems, physician groups, and health IT companies. Their solutions include their proprietary software as a service-based platform, IRM Pro, which helps organizations manage cyber risk and HIPAA compliance across the enterprise, and advisory support from their deep team of information security experts. For more information, visit clearwatercompliance.com. Hello, I'm your host, Wes Morris, with Clearwater Compliance. Joining me today is Gary Swearingen, counsel for Costco. And uh, Gary, you and I have worked together for quite some time now. We've we've had a number of different opportunities to spend time together thinking about this subject and talking about all these things. The thing is, 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 is that Costco has sort of a unique uh, place, not unique, but certainly much more limited than a lot of organizations do within the HIPAA space. And that is that of being a hybrid entity. So we thought that today would be a perfect opportunity for us to talk about this idea of the hybrid entity and, and how Costco has done things and that it might be useful to our listeners to think about and, and consider some of the challenges that go into uh, this particular model. So um, start us off, would you, would you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you came to be uh, counsel for Costco in this? Sure, yeah, uh, so again, uh, I've been practicing uh, 26 years or so. Um, when I was in a, my private firm uh, in 2003, we needed a HIPAA expert. So I read the rule and became the HIPAA expert. Um, so I do have uh, a lot of familiarity uh, with HIPAA. At that time, we uh, we represented kind of unique entities, um, uh, employee health monitoring programs, uh, and those uh, we, we didn't represent hospitals and the and the kind of the ordinary uh, entities. So it's always been a little different. Um, and then uh, I came to Costco in uh, 2014. Um, and again, I had a HIPAA background, but by that time, I certainly wasn't an expert. I hadn't uh, done much in the HIPAA sphere for, for several years. Uh, my uh, former companies were not health-related at all, uh, but I was uh, tasked with representing the uh, pharmacy, the hearing aid center, uh, the optical center, and the HIPAA portion of the employee benefits plan, uh, among other things. Okay. Okay. And, and you and I have done lots of work together over the years looking at those different programs. We'll get into them in a, in a mm -hmm. little more detail here in a few minutes. Um, so you mentioned the pharmacy, hearing aid, optical, and uh, the employee benefits plan, which is an ERISA plan. Am I correct? That is correct. We're self-insured. Okay. Yeah. Um, in addition, uh, later on, you've developed another business that has HIPAA perspectives or requirements within it, and that's your uh, Costco Health Solutions. Can you tell us a little bit about uh, Costco Health Solutions? And yeah, so, so Costco Health Solutions is a pharmacy benefit manager. Uh, so uh, you're under the rules, they're not a covered entity, uh, but they are a... Uh, a business associate of covered entities, including a business associate of Costco itself. 
uh, in the health plan. And they're similar to a third party administer administrator function. Uh, we only service self-insured plans. Um, and so we work closely with the TPAs of the larger plans and, uh, well, of all, of all the plans uh, and particularly manage pharmacy benefits um, for self-insured entities. So was this something that uh, was created initially to support Costco's pharmacies and then expanded, or was that always the plan from the beginning was to make it uh, expanded to self-insured plans? So it was really twofold. Uh, one was to provide it. Costco has a lot of business members, mm -hmm. uh, small to medium to some large business members. So it was a service offering to those business members uh, as well as, frankly, to support our pharmacy operations. You know, we think we have a pretty good uh, uh, pharmacy package for small employers. Mm -hmm. And, you know, some of the PBMs on the market, you know, the, they were more concerned about market share and making sure the plants had coverage, you know, everywhere. Mm -hmm. uh, and we don't have Costco's everywhere. Uh, we only have, you know, 580 locations now. Uh, and so it was a way to, you know, form a pharmacy benefit uh, service for employee plans and to help them uh, save the money that Costco pharmacies uh, can do. And, and we've expanded, you know, since then, you know, we have arrangements with, with others so we can provide a full nationwide network of pharmacies, not all Costco pharmacies, but, uh, you know, in our view, Costco pharmacies still provide a, a pretty good benefit. Of course, of course. It's funny that you say they're not everywhere because in my region, I'm in Idaho and I know yeah. of at least five within driving distance of me, but, but as I think about it, none of them are in my town. So I guess you're right. They're not quite everywhere yet, but a lot of locations around the country and some even extra uh, U.S., right? Uh, you've got locations overseas. Yeah, we're in uh, seven countries now. Uh, Internationals are fastest expanding uh, group. Of course, we don't have HIPAA in other countries, and so that's a good thing then, for me. Then you have other requirements that you have to meet if you're in Canada, whatever the rules are there under uh, PIPIDA or other areas, uh, if you're yeah. in Europe, uh, et cetera, mm -hmm. right? So yeah, that's kind of interesting. Um, but within the U.S., you do function as, uh, as a HIPAA-covered entity for your uh, lines of business, the pharmacy optical hearing, correct? That's correct. Yes, and and do you treat the um, uh, the the group health plan, the benefits plan portion as its own covered entity, or do you roll it into the same entity as as pharmacy optical hearing in the in the retail side? So we we generally keep them separate. Uh, we have a separate uh, privacy policies for the hearing centers. Uh, and then we have separate policies for the employee benefits plan. Uh, so we, we try to keep that that separate, uh, consistent, but mm -hmm. separate, um, you know, because in essence, the health centers are a customer of the farm of the benefit plan. Um, you know, that's not a HIPAA issue, but but is of a concern to make sure that we are providing the, you know, the best and um, most efficient service for the employee benefit plan. Yeah, that makes sense to me. 
So going back to this idea of, of a, a hybrid covered entity, what does that mean in the HIPAA parlance? How does one get to be a hybrid covered entity? So uh, hybrid entity, you can choose to be a hybrid entity. Uh, a company like ours, you know, currently we have 250,000 employees um, and, you know, lots of uh, uh, sales. Uh, really a very small percentage of that is in an area that HIPAA covers. Uh, and so the idea of Costco as Costco as a whole as a covered entity and training everybody on HIPAA that would never touch it uh, really is not a not an efficient process and it's not a good process either either. So the regulations allow us to to choose to be a hybrid entity. And what that means is is the portions of the business that relate and are covered by HIPAA can be their own covered entity. And the remainder of the company is not a covered entity. Right. So the idea, elect, oh. I was just going to say, so the idea is, is, is that somebody who's checking me out at the front uh, is not going to be, it, it wouldn't need to have the training that somebody who's checking me out at the pharmacy would, uh, it's, uh, as, as an example. Yes, that's that's the prime example. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so what did you have to do to choose or designate yourself as a hybrid entity? Were there formal and legal steps that had to be taken? You know, that was uh, the initial selections was before my time. Uh, but my general understanding of the process is, is, you know, we elect uh, in our privacy policies to designate ourselves as a covered entity. Uh, so our privacy policy uh, does that, designates uh, which portions of the business are within this covered entity, uh, as well as which members of the HIPAA workforce or which, which employees are members of the HIPAA workforce. And that's all designated in the, in the privacy policy. Uh, mostly that that's important for the supporting roles that that we have for for the covered entity it's obvious that the pharmacy staff are within it but you know we also have it finance um and others within and lawyers mm. within the uh work workforce yeah you would also have in maybe in some of the warehouses the people who are administering uh, onboarding and new hire training or making sure that people are actually getting trained on the things they need. Would those would there be a role for that as well, or am I overstating it? So probably not the training people, mm -hmm. uh, because uh, the health centers handle all HIPAA training uh, themselves. Um, okay. There is uh, there is overlap within the warehouses uh, in the onboarding process. You're right. Uh, the people who who are onboarding employees into the pharmacies because we do have background checks and, and things like that that aren't necessarily required by HIPAA but but are related. And then we have uh, upper upper warehouse management is within the the workforce. Um, our locations are really managed uh, somewhat uh, independently. Mm -hmm. uh, so the warehouse manager is is in charge of of the health center employees. Uh, there are exceptions to that, uh, mostly around the professional judgment of the uh, of the professionals 
they're not allowed to interfere with that. Uh, but they do the standard HR functions, and occasionally those functions would require access to uh, health information. So they are part of the part of the workforce. Okay. Um, at one time, you had the, uh, each of your health center components, optical hearing pharmacy, sort of broken out into their own, they, they each had a privacy official that oversaw them. You changed that a few years ago, right? Why was that? We did. Uh, so, so since the inception in, in 2003, uh, we had uh, one privacy officer for hearing and optical uh, because those businesses were aligned. Uh, we had one privacy op officer for the pharmacy and we had one privacy officer for, for employee benefits. Um, and that was, that was largely because those entities tend to self-manage themselves in a lot of different areas. And so it made sense for HIPAA as well. Um, but as, as we grew, uh, and, uh, over the years, it became apparent that we would benefit from consistency across the organizations. Uh, so that was that was the primary impetus for for finally deciding to go with a centralized one privacy officer. Uh, it also coincided with other U.S. privacy efforts because we we. Uh, because of the California rules and other rules, we actually had a privacy office uh, that was staffed and could manage all of the requirements of of the uh, HIPAA privacy officers. You know, back in back in 2003, uh, there wasn't much privacy right. regulation in the U.S. except for HIPAA. Yeah, uh, and so, you, you know, the idea of centralizing it didn't make as much sense as as it does now. Yeah, yeah. You know, we've always said that HIPAA is the floor, uh, but that uh, laws like state laws that give the, the patient or member more rights or that put more restrictions on the covered entity can, that so in, in essence exceed HIPAA, would then be the minimum standard to be met in that particular location. Does that create any challenges for you and your lines of business to be in say, California versus Washington versus Idaho, for example? Yeah, the way we run our business, it's not a whole lot. Okay. There are only a few areas where we need to be concerned about state law. Um, we, don't, uh, we don't charge patients for their medical records, so we don't need to worry about state laws that limit uh, the amount of money you can charge uh, a patient. Uh, the real... It, Area of differences in data breach, um, data breach reporting. Uh, some states exclude you know, HIPAA uh, in general, uh, but some states do impose a higher standard. And you know, we incorporate those into our data breach plan that luckily we've not had to exercise. <laughs> Keep your fingers crossed for that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you, I think it's important to note you have the plan. You've considered the the requirements. You're ready to manage them if necessary. Yeah, and but we test it. We do, we do test it annually. So and test it annually. Do you do that with like a tabletop, or do you send a case through from a pharmacy to 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 weed its way through? How do you do that to to test that kind of a plan? 
what's the easiest way or the most effective way do you think yeah so on this it's it's a it's a tabletop uh, exercise uh you, you know we do have uh hipaa uh, breaches occasionally but we don't we don't run the uh the the I, what I call is paper-based breaches through the incident response plan because it's really geared towards something more uh, widespread. Uh, okay. So the the privacy office and the health centers still handle you know somebody getting uh, the wrong receipt uh, that has PHI on it. Uh, we don't run those through the incident response, but certainly anything that that uh, looks as if it might be uh, an issue. Um, runs through the incident response team. So they do tabletop exercises. And we've had uh, enough um, uh, false alarms, I'll call them, uh, that they get some get some exercise in that and running through and investigating. Uh, we just haven't had anything on the reporting side. That's always a good thing. <laughs> um, so when you think about um, all of these different components uh, that, that, that have to be considered and managed. So far, we've really talked about it from the perspective of privacy and breach notification. Um, what happens on the security side of the house? Are they likewise broken up in these different functional ways that the privacy is, like the group health plan has a privacy officer and all of that, or how is the security handled for, for an organization as big as Costco, knowing that we need to be careful not to start uh, opening the doors to someone being able to look too deeply into that? Yeah, right. So we've always had uh, one security officer. Uh, our networks, and, and this is one of the challenges for a hybrid entity, uh, you know, for efficiency purposes, we have one uh, IT department um, we have one security department uh, that manages uh, everything company-wide. We have IT professionals designated to the health centers, but those, you know, they, they build the systems and improve the systems. But on the security side, we're really one company. Um, and so, you know, we have the same policies and procedures for the most part uh, for the health centers and benefits as we do the rest of the company. Um and, you know, the way our security works, you know, that that is certainly uh, meets all of the HIPAA requirements. Uh, as most of your listeners know, you know, the HIPAA requirements are not are not really prescriptive. So right. it gives a lot of flexibility. Right. And as long as you're doing the quote unquote, the reasonable and appropriate thing then you're, you're doing something that is meaningful and supported and all of that. Yeah, I, um, very much. Um, one of the things that we haven't really touched on before is this is that because of, of your business, you're going to have a huge range of vendors supporting your organization. Some of those vendors are going to be uh, people who are just simply selling a product uh, or, or whatever. Uh, others are going to be involved in a, in a much more detailed way. How do you look at risk management with all of these vendors? How, how have you built your program to manage this huge range of organizations and companies and even individuals who may be trying to sell you a product or a service or perform a function for you? Yeah. 
so uh, on the on the health center and benefit side, of course, we have our business associate agreements, but those are really insufficient. Uh, it, you know, we tend not to not to fill try to fill the business associate with everything we need because you know we get too much pushback, and so we use the business associate agreement in conjunction with a more fulsome master services agreement with, you know, all of the security requirements we expect them to have. Uh, so that's the contractual side of things. Mm-hmm. Um, in addition, we have a vendor risk management process that uh, that any vendor with health information or, or any personal information uh, is assessed uh, annually. Uh, so we there's a questionnaire and we do, we review uh, various third party attestations uh, from them uh, as well as requiring uh, penetration testing and and other things like that. So it's a pretty robust uh, process. Uh, It, it, you know, it's certainly had to ramp up over time, uh, but we think we're in a good spot right now. Yeah. So you assess those who are holding personally identifiable information of any sort on an annual basis. That then leads me to assume that that somewhere along the line, you tier uh, vendors by those who aren't holding that kind of information. Does that change the frequency of your reviews? Uh, it does. We have we have tiers. Um, you know, the the aspirational view is we're going to assess everybody. Uh, but you know that's not always practical. So so we have uh, you know kind of the tier one every year, uh, and then we have those that have no relationship to health data or personal information, uh, but might have uh, some other sort of IT access. Uh, th- those are on a different different schedule. Right, right. And, and the reason that I ask about that is, is, is that I, I find that the approach you're using just makes really good business sense and, and really good security and privacy sense, too. You've, you've decided how uh, an organization that you're looking at should be assessed uh, based upon what they do and what they have. Um, and and what risk it might create for your organization if there were a compromise, those kinds of things. Uh, so let's go back around on, uh, we were talking a little bit about privacy and, and breach. So when, when something happens at a local pharmacy level, can it be ever, or, or a local warehouse level, let me say it that way, can it ever be resolved at that level? Or does it, if it's if it's got privacy or security connotations, must it rise all the way up to the privacy or security officers at corporate level? So a little bit of both. Some things are right. resolved uh, at the local level, uh, meaning the patient walks away happy. But uh, we always investigate Um uh, sometimes the investigation is really, you know, fairly easy. You right. know, we did this and this is what we did. Uh, but it always rises to uh, the privacy office uh, to determine whether further investigation is required, uh, right. whether it's a breach with a capital B. Yeah, um, <laughs> yes. and, yeah. and uh, to to notify the the party of the decision. 
So even if the matter is appears to be generally resolved at the local mm -hmm. level, it is still going to rise up for oversight and visibility will. at some yeah. point. Makes yeah. sense. And the you know, so the the pharmacy is a bit easier because you know if you give somebody the wrong bag of medicine, that's mm -hmm. not only a hip issue, that's a health and safety issue. So right. so we have uh, you, you know we have peer review processes that review all of those to find out what happened, uh, and so th th those are easily elevated. Some mm -hmm. of the optical stuff, for example. Uh, you know, somebody comes back in and says they have the wrong receipt. That would be easy for a warehouse to simply say, oh, it's done. But uh, I think our people do a really good job of understanding the importance and escalating that so we can do a full a full review. Right. Yeah. Good. I already knew these things, which is why I wanted to ask them. I, I just felt like it was an opportunity to share that little piece with with our listeners that maybe somebody would say, oh, I hadn't considered that approach or whatever the case might be. Good. Uh, I mentioned at the outset that you and I have quite a history together. Um, I came to Clearwater in 2013, you came to Costco in 2014, and I think it was probably around then that we met. Uh, when I think it was. We actually did some work together to uh, conduct compliance assessments and risk analysis work with you. Um, talk about the value or your thoughts around, maybe not the value, but your thoughts around having an external party perform some of these reviews and analyses for you on a routine or recurring basis. Right. It, so I think that, you know, it, for us, it was an instrumental value. It was it was something we had to do. Uh, you know, Costco is a company that everyone's been around forever. Mm -hmm. uh, and so because of that, I mean, our our in 2014, we had the same privacy officers we had in 2003. <laughs> uh, as a consequence, we don't always write things down. Uh, and that's the real value of having a third party come in and assess, particularly on the privacy and breach side. You know, we thought we were generally doing the right things, but, you know, our policies and procedures were clearly deficient. And now that the statute of limitations has run on us, I can say that. <laughs> um, uh, and so, you know, it was quite it was quite an effort to to identify uh, what we were missing. We, of course, had a privacy policy mm -hmm. um, that met all the requirements, uh, but we didn't have the policies around that. And we really hadn't. Uh, uh, changed it over time as the business evolved. Uh, so you know, it was a little, it was a little out of touch, and it's good for a, a, a third set of eyes to look at it and say, you know, uh, you say you're doing this, but you're not doing that anymore, uh, and you really need to to document it. Right. Um, the same thing to a, a lesser extent on the security side. You know, we had a good security profile, but but we didn't have. Uh, you know, all of the security policies and procedures. Uh, we, we certainly do now. Uh, one of the challenges on the on the security side is that um, other areas don't actually require all of the documentation that HIPAA does. And so we had occasional issues where, you know, the, the policy writers want to not write a nice, clear policy that people understand. And then you got to stick something in it that's HIPAA specific that mm -hmm. really is out of place, even though you're following the technical requirements. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I, I think the 
the key here is, 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 is that you choose to have a third party perform these reviews um, as validation or that third set of eyes to find those nuances that someone else might not uh, have picked up on. Uh, and, and as you said, I, I, I really like the point that you made there about the fact that uh, the same privacy officers, officers and, and team were in place 12 years after it all started or 11 years after it all started. And so we get, we can become complacent. Yeah. Any of us can. And, and while this is not an advertisement for Clearwater, I'm just making the point that having a third party review seems to be uh, to have a value there to maybe break some of that complacency that can occur after a long time managing the same program, same environment, and, and not necessarily catching the, um, the nuances and the changes that occur unless you're staying right at the forefront of the industry and hearing what's going on and, and those kinds of things. Um, and, uh, and over time, the assessments have definitely changed. Uh, you know, Wes, one of your favorite terms is we got big rocks and we have something else. And, you know, last two assessments, we, we don't really have big rocks anymore to move. We have, uh, we have small things that, that can improve us. Uh, and improve our uh, uh, our program. Yes, absolutely. Um, small improvements to really tighten the final the the final details up, mm-hmm. um, rather than than oh my goodness, we've got big problems and big challenges to solve. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, uh, I have certainly appreciated the relationship and the and the work that we've done together over time, and I, and I hope that we continue to do that in the future as well. Um, one of the things that you have chosen to do is not just have someone look at your program from the perspective of headquarters and privacy and security officers and policies and procedures. You also have third parties go out into warehouses. What happens when you do that? What, what more do you pick up on that you might not pick up on if you're just doing this at the policy and documentation and headquarters level? So, so what we find out, find out is uh, a couple things. Uh, one, w- whether they know about policies uh, <laughs> and, and are following them, and, and so that that leads to it's primarily a training issue. Uh, you, you can't assess a training program until you look at who's being trained, uh, um, and then we still find um, it, it, you know changes that we've made a few years ago that aren't fully uh, integrated in the warehouses. And so that helps in, in that regard, um, as well as occasionally we, we find something that, that a warehouse is doing that is better uh, and that we should really look at uh, look at uh, co- company-wide. We have, Costco ha- has a longstanding program to audit each warehouse and we have um, uh, regional supervisors that walk through warehouses frequently and the uh the health centers folks walk through uh you know frequently at least once a year uh and but there's some things we just again that that third set of eyes going through and really looking at it specifically um sometimes you know health privacy is always important uh but you know if you're looking at somebody's optical prescription Sometimes people just go, you know, 
not really that important, uh, but it's a regulatory requirement. And so, so, you know, it may not be at the top of mind of one of the regional supervisors going through uh, to look at that, to look in the garbage can. Uh, but uh, when the, when the experts come in, they see all that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, then the other side of that coin is, is, is that what's important to you and me in privacy is very different than what's important to someone else. None of us really know what somebody else's life and challenges is like, do we? Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, you know, there've been situations over the years where as a, as a privacy or security officer, someone's brought a complaint or an issue to me. And, and my initial thought is, is, well, why is this a big deal? But then when you start to dig into what this person's mm-hmm. concern is, you gain a whole new perspective for why they're concerned about it. Uh, yeah. So that's always good. Yeah. Yeah. And we, and we try to try to work to the, to the highest standard uh, yeah. and, and not have to deal with those issues where, where we fell down on, uh, on something that somebody thinks is, you know, is very important. We, we've had, We've had those situations that, um, you know, this is this is a big deal. Personally, you know, I, I applaud HHS and OCR over the past couple of years for really focusing mm-hmm. on some of these smaller issues, you know, access to records uh, mm-hmm. and, and the, the smaller issues instead of the big breaches. Because, you know, some of those smaller issues are really egregious. Uh, <laughs> As opposed to a breach, which you know is a is a failure of systems. Right. Um, yeah, I, I I I like the way you say that, um, and I agree with you. You know, it's breach tends to get the outsized level of publicity uh, because, well, in in the case of over five hundred, it ends up on the. What is colloquially called the wall of shame on the on the breach reporting system, and so anyone can go and see and look at that. Um, but uh, there are many other issues that, especially, I I applaud the the point that you make about the access initiative. Uh, that is, you know, some of those cases within access were were very small in terms of the outcomes and the penalties. But the problems that were uncovered by the investigation um, were, were interesting to know about and highlight and try to help other people understand them so that other organizations don't have that same problem. Well, Gary, this has been a great conversation. I've really appreciated it. Uh, if there was anything that you wanted to wrap up with the, to sort of close out this topic, what would it be? What, what, what would you say to wrap up for us? You know, I think to, to, to wrap up, well, being a hybrid entity solves a lot of problems. Uh, it's hard. Uh, <laughs> you know, it, it's hard to separate out things and keep keep the walls in place so you don't you, you don't intermix. So it takes it takes a little bit of vigilance, um, uh, not so much on the privacy side, but particularly on the security side to to make sure that, you know, we're still maintaining that that separation because, you, you know, once once you don't maintain the separation, you're not a covered entity anymore. And all two hundred fifty seven thousand employees are in the workforce. Yeah. Yeah. 
That's a very good point. You've got to make sure that you have done a good job of building the walls and, and determining what's important to be on each side of the wall. But then I think your, your key point there is, is that you've got to maintain them in a reasonable way. Yeah. Um, I appreciate very much the time that you've spent with us this morning. Um, I, and I hope that our listeners enjoy this one as well. So I'll wrap up by saying on behalf of Gary Swearingen and Costco and myself in Clearwater, we thank you for listening to this episode and hope that you have a great day. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe to AHLA Speaking of Health Law wherever you get your podcasts. To learn more about AHLA and the educational resources available to the health law community, visit AmericanHealthLaw.org.